We've all been hurt. We all carry scars. We can all overcome these things and be healed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's build that relationship together right here. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody and welcome back to the sanctuary. So good to have you here and if it's your first time joining us, welcome. So the past couple of weeks we've been looking at talking with God and really what we've been seeing is how we form and maintain a relationship with him because let's face it all relationships start with conversation I've said this time and time again now sometimes those relationships take longer than others to form others seem to have an immediate connection you know it's that that rare occasion that you meet someone it's like you've known them your whole life you're just immediately best friends you know Uh, many of us We've had rough starts, you know, having to deal with that that particular person that we just plain don't like, we don't see eye to eye with, we don't get along with. And then over time, that relationship develops into something wonderful. You know, it starts with you, you start finding respect for one another, some common ground, and then it builds and builds. And then eventually you have something just absolutely beautiful, possibly in some cases, you might, that might even be how you became best friends. You started off at one end and worked your way to the other. It happens. You know, others others come quickly. You know, a great example, you put a bunch of veterans in the room together, introduce them, and once they find out, hey, this person served as well, guess what? Not even 10 seconds. An instant family. They're not strangers anymore. They are actually family. It's amazing to see. If you haven't seen it, uh, get up with me. Uh, believe me, I can... I can pick it out for you, and I can show you real quick. All right? Uh, It's an amazing thing. Uh, You'll see smiles. You'll hear conversations. You'll hear things said, and the way that they're said, and you're just thinking, man, this is – how are they talking to each other? And it's it's odd because – you're, you're listening, you know, it's, and it's not just veterans. You hear it with first responders, medical personnel, construction workers, every vocation that's out there, there's some something in a way that they talk to each other. But especially with veterans and first responders, you listen to them and the way that they, they joke around and they rib on each other, and you're like, oh, my goodness, that, that is just how – are, how are they – what is going on? And, but when you're hearing it, you, you have no doubt in your mind they're talking to each other out of love. Absolutely, 100%, it sounds like a couple of siblings. Now, in chapters 1 and 2, we've seen Habakkuk take those things to God that were weighing heavily on his chest. So much so that it was causing him to doubt his faith even. It's a stumbling block we all have to deal with from time to time. And he also demonstrates a great example of actually talking to God, which simply put is prayer. Now, Again, prayer is how we talk to God. That's how we further our relationship with him. And it's important to note, he doesn't use any special meter. He doesn't use any special rhyme or any of that other stuff that people throw out there to convolute the conversation, you know, to to make it sound, you know, like holier than thou or whatever else, you know. Um, He simply spoke to God. He took the burdens that were weighing him down, placed him at the feet of the Father, and then sat there patiently waiting. Well, I shouldn't say he sat there. He started waiting and patiently listening for God to answer him. And I say this because he demonstrated how we should wait for those answers as well. Because the answers that we're seeking, 
may not be readily available for us. Or, as we've seen in other books of the Bible, they may be delayed by other things. We, so we have to be patient. We have to. Uh, so when the questions have been asked at this point. The answers have been received at this point. Now, Habakkuk is at peace with his faith. His faith in God has been restored. And there is a special peace that comes over a person when they get to that point. It's uh, unexplainable. And, and, you know, we saw in the first two books that basically there, or I'm sorry, not the first two books, the first two chapters, the first two parts of the book, it was basically a Q&A, questions and answers. Now, what we're going to see is how we respond to God's answers. Or as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Now, go ahead, uh, if you have your Bible with you, or if you're taking notes, join me here. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Habakkuk 3. And, and chapter 3, the entire thing is a prayer from Habakkuk where he's, he's, basically, he's praising God. He's going through a, a list of things here as we're going to see, but the entire thing is his prayer to praise God and his glory. And we're going to go through it piece by piece here. Okay? Now, with that said, I want you to take note as well of how he's praying. And we're going to go in more on that uh, at a later time as well as far as how to pray. Um, it's you know That's one of those things that sometimes I, I feel like the church, we just kind of fall back on and we leave it like, oh, you need to say things this way or certain words or any, you know, and they, they throw out jargon and we're going to cut through all that kind of stuff. We're going to break it down nice and easy. Uh, but that's for a later time. All right, so like I said, Habakkuk chapter 3, we're going to see his uh, prayer to praise God for answering his questions and restoring his faith. So Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, the Bible says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigionoth. I know I probably just butchered that one. That's one I struggle with myself. If you can pronounce it better than me, uh, good on you, um, because that's a tough one. At least for me it is, okay? Um, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So at this point, Habakkuk knows that the people of Judah are going to be punished. And it's not going to be a good experience. Matter of fact, punishment and correction rarely are. You know, I, I don't, I don't know of any kids. I don't know of anyone, for that matter, that's ever enjoyed really, you know, being spanked. You know, when you're in trouble. Uh, you know, I, I recall being paddled in school uh, somewhere around probably the fourth grade, and I, and I know I'm going to date myself here because this is in the, the the wanting days when we still had corporal punishment in the schools. Okay, um, and you know, I got sent to the principal's office, and it was time to take my swats, and the principal using the paddle to give me my swats, didn't quite come down properly and broke my tailbone. Not a pleasant experience. You know, to add, to add the insult to injury, of course, after that, you know, the the family was called. The old man had to come and pick me up. And, of course, I got my licks there, too. So on top of already having a, bro- a broken tailbone, uh, there was more coming. You know, uh, but, you know, I digress. Uh, think about it, though. All the different things that are out there, and I'm only going to list a few here. You know, going to to get a switch from the tree for for uh, the grandmother. 
you know, or, you know, how about how about having a grandfather that's the opposite? You know, he never raised a hand, but instead had that gentle way of talking to you, just telling you simply how disappointed he was. And that in itself would make you feel like just the absolute worst person on the planet. You'd be crying like you just took the beating of your life. You know, um, or how about uh, you know the, the the father out there that had that that leather strap and had no qualms of hitting and beating you and yelling at you, you know? Or or how about this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a take a page page here out of uh, my mom's work um, workbook here, you know, uh, wooden spoons and kitchen utensils. Or maybe you were at a, at a longer range where she couldn't reach you with that, so she threw her clogs at you. Or, um, you know, uh, those of you that live here in a southwestern region of the U.S., uh, well, heck, I should just say the southern region, really, um, you know, the, the beloved chancla. You know, uh, some, some of uh, our mothers are, are certified bona fide snipers uh, when it comes to those. Now, you know, like I said, it's just a few examples. You know, none of these are or were pleasant situations. And I'm sure each and every single one of us has stories of how we were corrected and punished growing up. You know, punishment's not fun. It's not supposed to be. It's a learning moment. You know, and as a parent, we don't look forward to having to punish our children. And God is no different. He doesn't want us to be punished. He puts out correction. He puts out guidance. Yet, as people, as human beings, as part of the human human nature, you know, we we tend to to push things to a point. You know, we we cross that line as far as we can, and we, we test those waters. And the reality is, it's not God just you know lashing out and punishing us. We bring the punishment on ourselves through our disobedience to Him and our just downright refusal. To listen to what he's been telling us all along, you know, it, it, eventually it builds to this point where God's warned us, "Hey, you need to stop. Don't do that. Knock it off." But we didn't listen, and what ends up happening is we have to learn things the hard way. Now, Habakkuk, he knew what was headed their way. Much like when you're sent to go fetch the belt and bring it back for your own whooping. You know, it, it's important to, to, to see here, though, he's not resistant. He is, he's not resisting at all. You know, he, he knows that Judah has messed up as a nation and that he is, you know, a, a part of that nation. He is a citizen of, of Judah. And, and as a nation, they were going to have to pay the price for their transgressions. Now, knowing this, Habakkuk, he didn't ask to be spared. He doesn't try to save himself or get himself out of what's coming. He doesn't even ask to not get hurt. Instead, he accepts God's will and asks for help. He asks for mercy. Because he knows that as a people, that Judah needs to learn the lesson that God has for them so they can get realigned and get back to where they need to be with God. You know, it's one of those, heart, those, those things that we forget about. It's, you know, it's, we're, we're getting punished for something or 
we're being corrected on something, okay. And the way culture is set up today, we all take on this victim's mentality. And what we need to be doing is asking, God, what are you trying to teach me? What do I need to learn here? What am I missing? Okay, that, 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 is, that is the missing factor here. So um, flip with me here to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to look specifically at verses 5 through 11. And the Bible says, Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Should probably underline that, highlight that, do something to mark that. That's a good one. All right. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then are you not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all? Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our own good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God disciplines his children in love to bring them back to him. He takes away the distractions and he gets his children to focus on him, to look at him. It's like get, you know, it's like you had that toddler getting out of line, you know, at the at the store, just well anywhere really, you know. And so you give them that little swat on the butt, like, hey, knock it off, look here, you know. And what happened? They turn to you, right? God, God does. It's the same thing. It's like, hey, you know, redirect your focus. You know, so who, let me ask you this. Who loves their children more? The parents that let their kids just skate by on anything and everything that they do? Or the parent who corrects, teaches, and disciplines their kids to be better and to do the right thing? You know, it comes back to the whole do the right reason. I'm sorry, do the right thing for the right reason, even if it's not popular, even when no one's looking, Right? God's correction and discipline is one of the many ways in which he shows his love for us. And it is because he wants us to do what's right. So when we're facing his discipline, much like Habakkuk, we need to refocus. And again, like I said earlier, we need to ask him, hey, what do I need to learn? And we need to be grateful you know, really, we need, we need to relearn how to be grateful. But we need to be grateful for the fact that God loves us enough to correct us and to mold us into better people. Not wallow in self-pity and, and you know, or buy into that garbage victim's mentality. 
You know, again, we need to ask God to help us face the things that we need in order to make the necessary changes we need in life before it's too late. So going back to Habakkuk chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 7. So the Bible says, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his foot, uh, followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Cushion in distress. The dwellings of Midian in anguish. In simple terms here, Habakkuk is saying that God's coming and his judgment's coming with him. You know, now there, there's those comments and those memes out there that say, you know, heck, I could think of a few movies here, you know, a Western in particular. You know, it says, tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me. Well, you know what? I say go ahead because my God is mightier and his judgment is more to be scared of. I'd rather be corrected in life than to spend eternity in hell for not listening to what he warned me about and what he told me to stop doing. Continuing on to Habakkuk chapter 3. We're looking at verses 8 through 15 now. The Bible says, Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows and the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath... You strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. A storm was coming, and the storm was about to come upon them, and it was going to be intense. There were going to be some drastic changes made that would save God's children. And it was going to change the landscape around them. Things were not going to be the same moving forward. Not in any way, shape, or form. Not even the slightest iota. You know, God had already given plenty of correction. He'd given guidance. He'd sent warning. 
you know, for those who turned a deaf ear and, you know, weren't, weren't faith, you know, they weren't faithful. It, you know, it was, it was going to get real ugly, real fast. They brought punishment on themselves. Basically what it came down to is they listened to the devil. The devil was trying to sell them something and they listened and they were going to find out that what they bought into wasn't what they thought it was. Leadership is going to be shaken. Their culture was, it's going to be weeded out. You know, basically think of uh, farming or, or gardening. I know a lot of you garden, you know, it is very much what was going to happen here is, you know, it's going to be like pulling weeds from the crops and gardening. You know, God, God was going all out here. Uh, he, he was pulling those weeds. He was clearing out the debris, reshaping the soil for crops, um, you know, and irrigation, uh, applying fertilizer where needed, uh, dealing with the bugs and the animals and all those those various things that would destroy um, the garden. You know, th- th- things were going to get dirty. Things were going to get messy. But it was going to be for the good of the garden so good fruit could flourish again you know so with god doing this he did he was doing this so that his children could prosper so let's keep moving forward here and we're going to look at verses uh, 16 through 18 now so habakkuk 3 verses 16 through 18 uh, the bible says i heard and my heart pounded my lips quivered at the sound Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. So, you know, uh, scary stuff was coming. Some scary stuff was coming. But Habakkuk knew it was going to be temporary, and he knew that that nation that was being sent to to deliver the punishment, he knew that their, their day was coming as well. So, you know, even though things were going to be tough, Habakkuk was going to take the lesson that he learned of living in faithfulness and he was going to apply it to his everyday life. Remember back in uh, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Meaning, we will trust in God and be obedient to him. That, that's what that means, is that we need to be you know, obedient to God. We need to trust in him. And really, that's the secret to finding happiness, that real spiritual joy in our lives. Just because we're being patient and we're waiting on the Lord, it doesn't mean we're sitting around doing nothing. We're not hanging out on our laurels or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, Matter of fact, you know, um, if you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40 and verses uh, 30 through 31, the Bible says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. See, the Lord, he expects us to keep working. You know, things get tough. He doesn't expect us, you know, hey, ask a question, and then just sit there doing nothing and wait. Even while we're waiting on him, he wants us to keep moving forward and doing the work that he set in front of us. So knowing this, that 
you know, we also need to remember that no matter what we're doing, there are those times that we're just plain going to get worn out. And when we're waiting on the Lord to to provide for us, while we go and we do that work that he's placed for us, we're multitasking and we don't even realize it. We don't think of it that way. So we can wear down really fast. And it's at these times especially that we need to take a moment and remember to pray. And we need to pray for strength and that for God, you know, that God's going to renew it. We need to, you know, like I said, ask God for that renewal of strength. And, and knowing that we could call on the Lord at those times, on the Father, that, you know what, He has our back. He has our best interest at heart and in mind. And that can help us to relax a little bit better because He's going to provide for us. You know, going back to my farming reference from earlier, with all that was coming, the animals and the crops were literally going to be destroyed. A whole lot of things, like, absolute chaos and destruction was coming. And this was something that was going to make things just, you know, even more devastating to Judah. However, Habakkuk promised that even though there was going to be starvation and loss, that he was still going to rejoice in the Lord. He didn't give in to his feelings about all the stuff that was going on around him. Instead, he was looking to find his strength in God. This is something that we could all learn from and we could find hope in. You know, because, you know, even Jesus said, you know, bad things are going to happen. There's there's no if, ands, or buts about it. It's, it's not if, it's when. Things are going to happen. Bad guys are going to get away with absolute heinous things. Just, you know, just absolutely terrible, horrible, heinous things for a time. Life is going to be difficult. That's the way of the world. That is the storm of our lives. However, we need to stay focused on Jesus. And when we stay focused on Jesus and we ask him for him, you know, to, to give us that strength and to help us out, to be that rock for us, you know, that foundation, he's going to give it to us. He's going to provide for us. And he's, you know, and this is the beauty of it. It's not like we just go to him and he's like, here you go, bye-bye, good luck. He's with us through it all. He's with us every step of the way, side by side, going through it with us. So while nobody else may know the storm that you're going through, you can rest assured that Jesus does because he's there with you whether you realize it or not. He's dealing with the same stuff for you. So let's look at the final verse in the book. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19. The Bible says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. For the director of music on my stringed instruments. So that little, that last little part there was, you know, if, if uh, was basically, you know, the early church, um, you know, taking his prayer and everything, if they're going to play it to music or anything, this this is really what it's going into in that little section. All right. So if it doesn't make sense, I hope it does now. Um, going back to this, though, see, God's going to see to his children. Christians, those of us, you know, followers, believers of Jesus, because because of him and because of his promises, 
we can all find strength and we can all find confidence. He has had more, more before we were born. He has more coming after. He has more than enough strength and confidence for all of us. And even though it seems like there's no end to the evil having its way with the world, it's not going to go on forever. You know, all, all these evil people and groups and companies, organizations, um, you know, po- political groups, politicians, you know, governments, nations, so on and so forth. Um, eventually, they're you know they're they're going to get their due. They're bringing their punishment on themselves, and the Bible has already assured us that the battle is won. We just need to remain faithful and trust in God. See, Habakkuk, he did something hard, really hard. I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. He was in duress. And in his time of duress, he called out to God and he asked the questions we've all asked. You know, hey, what's going on here? How long are evil people going to prosper and keep getting away with doing whatever they want while good people suffer? God provided the answer. He said, hey, they're going to pay. And he showed that he can also take all that bad and, you know, these evil people and use it to help more people find him. So he can take that bad and use it for good. You know, so he's taking those evildoers and using them to help more people to find God, to help them find Jesus, to save them in their hours of greatest need. Because keep in mind we don't see Jesus the clearest except for when we're at our lowest. And we can count on him to always do the right thing for the right reason and at the right time. And I'll remind you that the right time, it's not our time. It is always his time. His time. Now, isn't it great to know that our God has an open door policy, that we can talk to him at any time about anything and everything. Not only that we can, but he actually encourages us to do so. He wants us to do so. You know, there's not a bad time. And, you know, sometimes we're, we're, we're faced with some ugly things that we really, we don't want to deal with. You know, we, we all it's like, it's like you, don't, you don't even want to acknowledge it. You're just like, oh, man, no, no. What in the world's happening here? You know, and when those times come, you know, we, the, the, it's so easy to lose your, your sight and, and, you know, fall back into that whole, you know, wonderment. You know, where's God? What's he doing in all this? What's going on? You know, um, and that's when, that's when we need to stop what we're doing and we need to pray. We need to refocus on God. We need to pray and wait for his answer. And then, based upon the answer that we're given, we need to push forward so that he can bless us. You know, sometimes the thing that's the very thing that's just right there in our way, that stumbling block, you know, or that hardship, uh, that whatever that calamity is. It's the very test that we need to overcome so that we can get to the blessing that the Lord has waiting for us 
You know, it's, it's, it's that little piece. It's like, hey, you know what? I, you know, I know this sucks, but, you know, this is a test for you. And you need to get through it so you can get into a line with me. You know, um, and sometimes we wonder, you know, bad things happen. And we're, we're sitting there and we're praying. We're like, dude, what's happening? And we don't get that answer right away. You know, again, it's it's in his time. But think of it this way. Think of back when you were in school and, and it was time to take a test. What, what was one of the number one rules? Don't talk. Don't ask questions. Don't talk. You, you, do, you do your test. If you need a pencil or something, you stick your hand up. The teacher will take care of that part. But there was no talking. So sometimes when we don't hear the Lord, we need to remember the teacher doesn't always talk during the test. Matter of fact, more often than not, they stay quiet. So get you know just work on that test and figure out what what do I need to learn, what do I need to adjust on, what am I struggling on? Because you know testing that's what it's there for. To find out how proficient you are with something, right? Now, if you're not already talking with the Lord, you know. Well, let me say if you are, keep doing so. But if you haven't, you need to start now, before it's too late, before you get to that point where. You're standing before Jesus and he says, depart. I never knew you. He's knocking at the door of your life. And he he wants to have a conversation. He wants to start that conversation. He wants to start that relationship. He wants to form that relationship. If you already have one, he wants to keep working on it and improving it and making it deeper. And, uh, you know, he's he wants to have that relationship with you and he wants to walk with you through your heaviest storms, you know, the, the times when you're, you're hurting and you're asking for them, you know, the, those times when in the past where you're, you're asking for him and wondering where he was. Well, you know what? He was there just as he's there now for you, but you got to refocus. We need to ask him for strength and we need to ask him for guidance in our lives right now. You know, it's it's often said by a lot of people. You know, and I and I know I've used the phrase as well that you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. It, and really, kind of, you know, and thinking about that, it's 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 the wrong term. It's it, it's saying the right thing but the wrong way, because when when you say you know, hey, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, it's it's like it's like you're saying, you know, that. You're the Lord, but you're handing over the reins. Like you're just telling him, hey, you know what? Here, here's the key to the house. Here's the key to the car. Take over. It's yours now. You know, and that's just, it's not the case. You know, Jesus is already the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He's already the Lord and King of our lives. But he's not like just that, that boss that says, do as I say. He is a servant leader. He, you know, he set the the ultimate example by doing it when he sent Jesus. You know, hey, this is how you do it. So, you know, it wasn't just do as I say; it's do as I do. When he showed us how, and, and so what we all need to do is we need to be humble. We need to humble ourselves before him, and we need to repent of our sin and be obedient to him. And by repenting of our sin, it's not just acknowledging it; it's taking those steps. To stop doing it, to remove it from our lives, and some things 
are harder than others. Something, you know, some things it's not going to be just immediate. So we need to ask him on that strength and that guidance to get us through it so we can get away from it. You know, it's, 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 it becomes so much easier though. And it really is. It's, it's easy when we know how much Jesus loves us and the great lengths that he's going to go to to protect us. To know that when we bend our knee to his will and we follow his plan as opposed to ours, we're going to be saved and we're going to be in fellowship with them. Not only here, but in heaven. You know, in heaven, he's preparing a place for us. So, like Habakkuk, I want to encourage you. Talk to the Lord. Ask the hard questions. Be bold. Don't hold back. Don't be afraid. Let it out. And then be prepared for the answers, regardless of what they may be. Because let's face it, sometimes we don't like the answers we get. It's not there for us to like. The truth is the truth. We have to accept it. And we need to respond in faithfulness by declaring His glory to all. Because it is all His victory. You are a blessing, so go and be a blessing. Go be the church, y'all. I want to thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or would like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on our website at bethelightsanctuary.org or on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary. We'll catch you next time. God bless.